But you got a Bible? All right, take your copy of the Bible and find Deuteronomy, would you? The, the sixth chapter, Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. And I'm going to talk a lot about the family today. It's one of the things I love to talk about, preach about. And uh, all of us, all of us, all of us need good help and reminders about our family all the time, don't we? And none of us have arrived on that, but I love the family and just really honored. This is uh, 30 years. Beth and I have been married, and we've been on the road all 30 years and uh, preaching revivals. I never realized how much I'd preach on the family as I got older, but it kind of just happened. People just started inviting us to do so, and we did. So the Lord's been so good to us. Beth and I have raised five young'uns. I'm Dave Young, so my kids are the young'uns. It sounds like a bluegrass band, doesn't it? Dave Young and the young'uns. But uh, I've got five kiddos, and uh, I actually think I have a photo of them here in a moment for the screen and the PowerPoint, but uh, I'll show you those in just a moment. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and let's get right to it so we can be done on time. And uh, you told me when we're done, and i got to be honest, I didn't remember. So when are we done? 22. All right, oh, we got plenty of time. Good, good, good. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1, if you're there, say amen. The Bible says, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. Now, did you catch that little word you right there? So I'm talking about the family, but notice, notice, it's all about you. It starts with you. God is first and foremost concerned about you. All right, y'all with me on that? So teenagers, you might say, well, I don't have to listen today because I don't have a, you know, I'm not a dad or a mom or whatever. Nope, the Bible starts here about you. So he starts with you. So he said he's, he's, he's one, commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, now catch this right here, this next line, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Now chew on those just a little bit there for a minute. He starts out here by saying, all right, God wants me to command to teach you. All right, we've got to teach you. And he said he wants you to fear the Lord, your God. And that's worth our thinking about, isn't it? We can't have a Christian home unless he's our God. Now, you all are in Sunday school, so I'm assuming that all you know the Lord. We won't take that totally for granted, but normally people that come to Sunday school, they're the good people. Is that right? Not everybody comes to Sunday school, but we do because we're, we're the more spiritual ones. Come on. Go ahead. We're... That's why we're here. But, but we don't want to assume that necessarily, but you know, you, you know this, don't you? A Christian home starts with us knowing the Lord. i got to know the Lord. So he says that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. And what should we do as we fear the Lord? Keep all his statutes and his commandments. And he said, which I command thee. And then he lays it out. What's he talking about in chapter 6? He's talking about you and your son and your son's son. So we're going to think about that just a little bit here this morning and meditate on that some. So... Let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord's help, and then I'm going to uh, just talk to you about you and your family. Father, help me, I pray this morning, as I preach your word and teach your word. I pray you'll give me wisdom. I pray you'll give me discernment, and I pray, Lord, you'll help us today as we look into your word. We need you, and our families need you, Lord. We all just need encouragement. We need direction. Sometimes we need correction, but you do your work in our heart, I pray, and I'll thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So let's talk about God's plan for you and your family. All right, is that fair enough? God's plan for you, not, not just to give you a heads up as well, mark your place in Deuteronomy 6 and come back Sunday night, and because uh, it's a two-part sermon, I'm going to preach the first part here in this, uh, this hour, and then tonight at the 6 o'clock service, I'll finish Deuteronomy, all right? So if you mark your place, you'll be faster than those who didn't come to Sunday school Sunday night, all right? 
and, and you can feel good about yourself over that because that's a good thing. All right, Deuteronomy 6 here. You and your family. Do you believe in the family? Are you all happy about the family? Let me pull the crowd so I know who I'm talking to. How many of you are here? Let's start there. If you're here, let me see. Some of you are not, so let's change that. That's a little weird. weird. All right, now, how many of you are married? Let's start there. If you are married, raise your hand. And if you're happily married, wave it around like a, a good Baptist. All right. Hey, look at that. Most of you are. And, and then how many of y'all have children? Let's start there. How many of y'all have children? Isn't it wonderful to have children? Amen. How many of y'all believe in children, don't you? Happy is the man whose quiver is full. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, sometimes we get focused on how full is a quiver. What does it mean to have a quiver full? Does that mean you have to have at least, Bethlehem used to say, you have to have at least three, right? He said you had to have at least three to be biblical. The Bible doesn't say replace the earth. He says replenish the earth. And if you just have two, he said, you're just replacing yourself. So you need to have at least three to replenish. Now, I don't know how, you know, that was just, that was just a joke. And, and uh, so maybe, maybe you ought to have more. I do believe in having more, don't you? More than one way to grow a church. Have one or bring one. <laughs> and some of you have brought somebody in a while, so you need to have somebody. And uh, let's grow a church. If we, had at least, if we had at least every family in the church have at least five to ten kids, this would be quite a church, wouldn't it? And uh, so God's pro-family. I just want you to know that and be happy about it. Never, ever, ever, ever undermine the family. Don't ever say things like, oh, my goodness, how many kids y'all going to have? Well, I don't say things like that. If they want to have 10 kids, applaud them and, and give them an offering. They're probably going to need it. And uh, <laughs> the Bible says, happy is the man whose quiver is full. Now, maybe, maybe that we get so focused on the quiver full that we miss the, miss the, first, uh, the first part. And the first part is happy. And maybe what the Bible means there is the more kids you have, the happier you'll be. It may be because you're delirious. <laughs> it may be because you're overwhelmed, outnumbered, and can't afford them. I don't know, but... You might as well just be happy about it. It's wonderful to have a family. So again, how many of y'all have children? Let me see your hand. It's great to have a family. And then how many of y'all have grandchildren? Let's go to that one. I got to get that one in there. Isn't it great to have grandchildren? Do y'all do y'all believe that saying? They, sometimes they say, um, you know, uh, uh, grand, what is it? Grandkids are the reward God gives you for not killing your kids. And I read that somewhere. And somebody said that grandkids are better than children. How many y'all how many y'all like your grandkids better than your children? Anybody here like that? And there's a few amens there. Some of the, we're a little hesitant about that. We've got to be careful about that in our family because we have one still at home. And uh, so Charity doesn't like it if we say we like our grandkids better than her because she's 15. She's still there. But uh, so we've got to be careful about that one. Now, here's what you do in Deuteronomy 6. When you get to Deuteronomy 6, he's laying out for us uh, truths about you and your family. And so he starts here. The word, the word I want to give you to begin with is the word development. All right. The word development. Family development is where he starts. And you find that in the second verse, when in that little line I emphasize here, you, your son, and your son's son. Now, we would probably say that a little different in our culture. We would say you, your kids, and your grandkids. But it's the same idea. The, the Old Testament Hebrew would say you, your sons, and your son's sons. But the idea there of sons and son's sons is kids and grandkids. So notice what God is laying out for us. A family has to be developed. And, and, and all of us ought to be in, in our hearts, desiring to develop our family. So I'm concerned about me. That's where he starts. I want to be right with God and do what's right and walk with God and live a clean life and honor God with my life. Every believer ought to be concerned about their life and themselves. Is that fair? It doesn't mean any of us are perfect. And the Bible says we all ought to take heed to ourselves lest we fall. It's an easy thing to make a mess of a life. Y'all with me on that? Easy thing, and many folks do. 
And, and yet, aren't you thankful for the fact it's always better to do what's right than to have to straighten up what's wrong? Y'all agree with that? So let's start by trying to do what's right so we don't have to straighten up what is wrong. Although I'm glad to say to you, when things are wrong, the God of heaven is able to help you make it right if you'll take the right steps to get right. Aren't you thankful for that? And one of the things I've seen so many times in our ministry is people who really blow it, and yet if they decide to, to genuinely repent and, and take steps of repentance and bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, it is amazing what God can do with that. It's amazing how God can take a negative situation where there seems no hope and God can bring beauty out of the ashes of that mess. But it doesn't happen by accident. It's got to happen on purpose as we say, Lord, I want to be right with you. So let's just start with us this morning. How are you all doing? Are you developing you? Uh, teenagers, you on the right track? You doing what's right? Are you buying into Christianity? Sometimes, you know, we go to church because mom and dad make us, and we go through the motions because this is what we do. We're just young. But I'm saying to you kids, you ought to buy in. You ought to buy in to Christianity. Get all in. Decide, Lord, I don't believe in you because of just my mom and dad. Thank God for your mom and dad. But get all in. Say, Lord, I believe in you because you're my God. And I believe your word because I know it's true, and I'm going to live it. And I'll tell you, if you'll live it, kids, I promise you, if you'll live it, God will bless your life. Do you all believe that? I don't believe in naming and claiming and health and wealth, but I do believe in the blessings of God. How many of y'all believe in the blessings of God? Do you? Have you got any blessings in your life? Because you know what? You serve God, and God bless your life. Y'all with me on that? So kids, get all in. So start with you. Daddies, start with you. It's all well in your life. Are you on the right path? Are you serving the Lord with all your heart? Are you walking with God? Are you living? Are you pursuing a clean life? How about it, ladies? How about it, grandparents? Don't let your older years become colder years. Never let your older years become colder years. Stay on fire for God. Life changes you get older, doesn't it? It does. I know that. You get older, life changes. You retire, have nothing to do. Isn't that great? And no money to do it with anyway. And so it's great, but don't let those become colder. You start with you. This is what Moses is saying here. It's you. He starts with you. Every one of us are in Deuteronomy 6 because God always starts with the individual. But notice God's not just concerned about me and you. He's concerned about our children. So we start with us, and then we move into our children and go to work on our children. What's our goal? What's your goal for your children? And, and sometimes, sometimes our goals are pretty low, aren't they? That's why I want to praise God. Somebody told us one time, so I want to praise God my kids have never been to jail. Well, praise God. That's not, that's not a bad thing. But if my only goal in life is to keep my kids out of jail, that's not biblical Christianity. You know that, don't you? There's more to it than that. Is that fair? More to it than that. Way more to it than that. And Deuteronomy is going to lay that out for us today. We've got to develop our family. And here's what all of us ought to be concerned about. Not just me, but also my kids. Not just me and my kids, but also my grandkids. All of us are responsible for three generations. Did you know there's power in the family? You know, families are powerful. Did you know that? Bethany and I have five children. And our Abigail's married to David. Josh is married to Bethany. And they have our granddaughter, Ellie. Matthew's married to Kareth. And they have our grandson, James. Jacob is single. He's 20, but he's, he's uh, uh, we always hesitate to say this because people have strong feelings. I, I guess I can say the word dating because they are, they are dating. Some people say no courting. And, and I'm, there's things about courting I'm not comfortable with and things about dating. So we combine the two. And so Jacob is dorting Anna. And... Uh, <laughs> And that's, that's just, yeah, I can't think of another better word, so I'll just use that one. But, uh, you know, there's, if he marries her, that'll be four of ours married. And, and Charity's 15 and, and, and not even ready to date yet. We don't date. We don't date as teenagers in our family. We don't do that. And if you do, that's between you and the Lord. Cause, but it's our standard because we don't think that you, you really should date till you're ready to get married. So, you know, a 14-year-old that can't make his bed doesn't need a girlfriend. 
That's just good, aren't you? That's worth coming to Sunday school for right there, isn't it? And uh, you're welcome, teenagers. God bless you, buddies. Uh, but, but the fact of the matter is, you, you, we, we wait on that. But, but here's the deal. Our kids, we have two grandkids now. Bethany and I are responsible for ourselves. What Deuteronomy says, we're also responsible for Abby, Josh, Matt, Jake, and Jared. But now the Bible adds to it and says we're also responsible for, for our, uh, our Ellie and, our, and our, our, our James. And there's power in that. Here, here's our goal. We want our kids to, to know the Lord. We find that right here in Deuteronomy. We want our kids to know the Lord, to fear the Lord, to love the Lord, and to serve the Lord all the days of their life. We want our kids to know the Bible and love the Bible and live the Bible all the days of their life. That's what Moses is saying. But here, here's the point. There's power in that. If our five kids grow up and marry somebody that knows the Lord and loves the Lord and loves the Bible and, and knows the Bible and lives the Bible, and then each of our five kids were to have five kids. Now, just think of the power of the family. If our five kids were to have five kids of their own, and that's not, that's not you know, that in our culture, that seems to some people like, oh, my goodness, what are you thinking? You're going to destroy the earth. Uh, but, but the family's biblical, and the family's always something to be honored. So if our five kids grew up and had five kids of their own, I'd have 25 grandchildren. Now, just think about the power of that. If, if Bethany and I succeed as moms and dads in training Abby and Josh and Matt and Jake and Charity, and they end up marrying somebody who loves the Lord too and knows the Word of God, and they each have five children, and they succeed based on what we taught them. They succeed, and their children, our 25, this is hypothetical, our 25 grandchildren knew the Lord, loved the Lord, knew His Word, loved His Word, and served Him and walked with Him all the days of their life, and all 25 of our, of our grandchildren grew up, and they married somebody that knew the Lord, loved the Lord, loved His Word, and honored God, and all the days of their life, they walked with God, and all of them had five children. You know how many great-grandchildren I'd have? Come on, y'all know how many? Well, some of you don't know, but for those of you that don't, it's 125 great-grandchildren. Now think about the power. That's one family. One family in the church, Dave and Bethel Young, one family has five kids who have, they get married and they have five kids, and then their kids get married and they have five. That's 125 great-grandchildren in one family. Think about that. That's bigger than some churches that will meet today in the state of Kentucky in one family in just a few generations. Think about the power of it. 125 great-grandchildren that know the Lord, love the Lord, love His Word, believe His Word. Let's say all of them grow up, and they meet somebody that knows the Lord, loves the Lord, loves His Word, and they all get married and had five children. What's that next generation? A whole bunch. <laughs> and I'm going to suggest you bigger than almost any church I preach in. And I preach in some of the great churches of our fundamental Baptist world. One family, what is that? One generation, me and Bethany, second generation, our children, third generation, our grandchildren, fourth generation, our great-grandchildren. In five generations, our family could have more believers than most Baptist churches have meeting today. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever thought of your family? Is that important? Have you ever thought of your family as, you know what? We've got to win. We've got to win because if we win, the fact of the matter is, in five generations from now, there'll be more Christians. If we win in five generations from now, we could have more Christians in our family than there are in some churches. And this is God's plan. This is why God put Deuteronomy in here to say to us, this is God's plan for me and you, that we develop our families in such a way that we are impacted, our children are impacted, our grandchildren are impacted, and the process repeats it with each generation. 
that's God's plan. Never underestimate the power of your family. You know why the devil's trying to destroy families so, so uh, incredibly powerfully? You know why the devil is going over time to destroy the nuclear family? Because to do it will destroy the church. If he, can, if he can stop us from even wanting children. Eh, I don't want kids. Crying out of kids. I, I, I'm not, this is the weirdest thing for me because Beth and I, we just, we love children. We wanted 10. And uh, once you have, you don't know if you know this or not, but once you have three, you're outnumbered and can't afford that one. So what's a few more? And uh, so we just, we love being a parent and we love raising children. So we just love it. Our family loves it. We wanted, we were, we'll take 10 if you'll give them to us. He gave us five. And so we, we, you know, we, we didn't get to raise 10, we raised five. But here, here's, here's the whole point. Sometimes we're with people now that, I was with a young man not long ago, he's 37. And he asked if he could take me to lunch. And I went to lunch with him. And we sat at lunch. Here's a young man that had tracks in his shirt pocket and witnessed the, the waiter at our restaurant. Here's a young man that's on staff at a Baptist church that I'm talking about our kind. Here's a young man that loves the Lord, and there is no doubt loves the Lord. And, and after we ate and had good fellowship, he said, I, I, want, I actually want to have lunch with you. I want to talk to you about something. And I said, well, what can I do for you, son? He said, Dave, he said, um, my wife and I have been married 14 years, and we don't have children. And he said, the reason we don't have children is my wife does not want children. Absolutely doesn't want them absolutely categorically as opposed to having children. Well, now there's, there's all kinds of things you could say there. And, and I counseled him and gave him some wisdom about that. One of the, one of the first things I would say there, kids, is that, that you better know that before you go into a marriage. That, that you ought to know up front. You don't, you don't stumble into that after you get married. You need to know that up front. You need to talk all this stuff through. Moms and dads, we need to be very involved in helping our kids to get married. Now, now here, here's the deal. Here's this guy's married. His wife doesn't want children, and they're members of a church just like ours. Now, where does that come from? It comes from a culture that's anti the family. And, and ladies and gentlemen, you've got to be on guard. Be careful how you think because the culture you live in. Even our young people, if they're on Instagram, if they're on TikTok, if our young people are on any kind of social media at all, our young people are being bombarded with humorous and serious reels that are subtly suggesting that having children causes global warming. And that's the truth. That's what our culture is training an entire generation. Did you know I read the other day that in the last two years in the nation of China, for the first time, they, the nation of China is in decline in their population. And they've actually lost 2 million citizens in, in just two years. Because more people in China now are dying than are being born. And we are very close to that same situation in the USA to where we're a culture in decline. When we, stop, when we stop reproducing ourselves and more are dying than are being born, the culture is inevitably coming to an end. And, and here's the whole point. You and I sit in a church and we believe all of this, but we've got to emphasize it, we've got to stand on it, we've got to promote it, we've got to believe in the family. And, and, and while we're at it, we ought to celebrate it. We ought to just say, you know what? I'm going to have a family. You kids ought to decide. I want to, I want to know God and get married someday. I think you ought to aspire to be married. God doesn't want everybody to get married. Some people are gifted with singleness. How many of y'all believe that? Do you believe that? But kids, most people get married. You ought to get married. Marriage is absolutely wonderful. And I believe in marriage and I promote it. And you ought to consider getting married. And you ought to be praying about it. Girls, you ought to be praying about it. Guys, you ought to be praying about it. A lot of girls can't cook. You're going to starve to death. 
And uh, so you boys ought to be praying about it. Lord, help me, help me, help me. And the girls ought to be praying about it. God, help us. We need help. We ought to pray about it. And we ought to, we got to develop the family. You all follow me where I'm going with this? So family develop is, is where we start here in Deuteronomy. And then it leads us to a second word, all right? The second word, uh, by, by the way, uh, give me that next screen. Did that, that photo show up? Uh, there's you, your sons, and your son's son. Doesn't that look good? That's the young family right there. And right there in the middle is Bethlehem and me. To our right, to my right is Matthew and Kareth and James. Matt's a youth pastor in Birmingham. I'm a Tennessee Vols fan. He's a Roll Tide fan. That's what you call failure. <laughs> so pray for me right there, would you? And then there beside of Kareth and the baby is my daughter Charity. She's 15. And then Jacob is there beside, and that's his girlfriend. We put her on the end and said, no, if this doesn't work out, we're going to cut her off. And... Uh, but uh, we think it's going to work out, so probably put her in there. And then over here is Abby and David. David's a professor at West Coast Baptist College. And then Joshua's a youth pastor in Camarillo, and that's his wife, Bethany, on the end there with our, our granddaughter, Ellie. God's interested in our families. Yours doesn't have to look like mine. Mine doesn't have to look like yours, but God's interested in our families. And look at that family. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but if uh, we can get Jacob married to Anna over there and we can find Charity a good husband, we're going to have 10 kids. God's going to give us our 10 kids. We're going to get 10 because we claim David and we claim Bethany and we claim, claim uh, Kareth. We're, 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 we're claiming them. Give us two more and we're going to have our 10 children. So we had our family development. All right, now let's go one more word here in the Sunday school hour. We have development and now let's go to family decision. All right, family decision. Because there's two decisions here that every family has to make in Deuteronomy. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put them on the screen. Let's just, let's just throw them up there. And this is where we park the rest of our time. Two decisions in Deuteronomy that you have to make. All right, here's the first one, and you find it in verse 2. Families have to fear the Lord. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Now watch this, verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. I love this right here. That it may be well with thee. I hope you're okay with that. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. Don't you want it to be well with you? Don't you want God's blessings in your life and your family? Don't you want that? Here's, he's, going to lay out, he's telling us how to make it well. That you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Now watch this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. All right? The first one there is in verse 2, that you might fear the Lord your God. That's a family decision. The second one is verse 4, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's a theological statement with a practical ramification. The theological statement is that there's only one God. And all of us ought only have one God. We should always worship the one Lord. He's the only one. There's not many gods. There's one God, and he ought to be our God and ought to be personal to us, which I say like this, keep God first. So, so verse 2 is saying, fear the Lord, and verse 4 is saying, keep God first. Now, how many of y'all know about the fear of the Lord, do you? You familiar with that term? It's easier to say, right? It's easier to say than to explain. It's even easier to say than to define. The fear of the Lord. It's an important word. It has two meanings. The word fear, on the one hand, it literally is scared to death. The word fear means scared to death. On the other hand, it means reverence and awe. All right? And, and both meanings do apply. There's a definite sense we should be scared to death of the Lord. Do you know, when you do what's wrong, you, you, you reap the consequences. 
God designed the world that everybody reaps what they sow. Is that right? So that'll scare you to death a little bit. How many of y'all had, I don't know how your family was. My, my, my parents did not believe in spankings. So I, I don't know how y'all felt about that. My parents did not, but my dad did not believe in spankings. My dad was from Tennessee and he believed in whoopings. And, and so he thought spanking sounded sissy, so my dad only gave whoopings. But, but here's, here's, here's the whole point of that. I, I love my dad, but there was a definite sense in which I was scared to death of him. I loved him. I didn't have a problem. My, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a TV because of an evangelist that preached the night my daddy got saved. And he preached that, you know, you should get saved and throw away your TV. And my dad got saved and threw away our TV. I hated that evangelist, but nonetheless, um, he came back and preached, you should throw away your, 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 your records. And he preached against Elvis. He came back to him and preached, we throw away our Elvis records. Yeah, I mean, he preached against everything. He was against Christmas trees. <laughs> he, was, he, was, uh, he was against the whole works. I mean, he was against, we didn't do, we didn't do anything. <laughs> we, we went to church. That's what we did. And uh, we went to church for fun. That's what we did because we didn't have anything else. But, but here's, here's where I'm going with that. I love my dad. We, there was a lot we didn't do. But my dad bought me my first motorcycle when I was 11. And I have one now because it's my dad's fault. I, I'm addicted. I, I love motorcycles. It helps my wife's prayer life. So, um, it's, and our Jacob's got his daddy's bug. So Jacob has a motorcycle. That helps my wife's prayer life. And, and so we love motorcycles. That's my daddy's. I see, I, I, what I'm saying is that, yeah, I, I was blessed. We didn't, we didn't have a TV and I didn't play sports. There was a ton we didn't do because we were holiness. But, but I will tell you that I had a good childhood. I, I, you know, we lived on a farm, had a horse. I had a pig, I had a, had a cow, I had chickens. And uh, so I was blessed. I, I, was, I was very blessed. And, and yet, and yet I, I also knew that if, if I did wrong, my dad caught me, that I was in danger of meeting Jesus on the spot. And so there was a fear of that. Y'all know what I mean by that? There was a fear there. There was a healthy fear. You know what it means to be scared to death. Like I hate spiders. Y'all with me on that? I, I hate spiders and they like me. Pastor, they like me. Spiders will often crawl on me. And uh, I, was in, I was in Tennessee one time preaching at a camp. And I got up one morning, as tired, been busy summer, late the night before and up early the next morning, had to preach in a few hours. And I got up and I was shaving back when I did that and uh, before I was trying to be like Jesus. And I, uh, I, I was shaving that morning and, you know, and rinsing off the razor. When I did, something tickled my neck. I was shaving, you know, rinsing off, something tickled my neck. And two things happened simultaneously. I looked in the mirror and at the same time reached up to scratch my neck. And as I was reaching and looking, there was a big old spider crawling up my neck. And uh, I'm not, I, I, I don't believe in this, but that's probably the best breakdance you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> because I'm just telling you, I, I just really reacted. And you know, y'all follow what I'm saying? It scared me to death. And the Lord called him home. <laughs> and uh, and, and that's, just, that's just how I respond to that. It scared me to death, that spider. Uh, you know what it is to be scared to death, don't you? I have a dog, and I walk my dog every night. We had this young man traveling with us, and we were home. He'd live in our RV, and we were home one week, and, and I'd every night walk my dog, and so he'd walk with me. He'd walk the dog with me, and we'd have prayer together, and, and so I called him one night, texted him, I'm going to walk the dog. You want to walk with me? No, he said, I got something to do, and here's what he had to do. What he had to do was uh, he had to put on a trench coat. I'm walking the dog about 11, 11, 15 at night before I go to bed, walking down our you know, dead-end streets, dark out there, and, and I, I actually prayed by myself. I walked and prayed a while. As I'm walking down the street praying, he put on a trench coat and black gloves and a Batman mask and got a video camera and hid in my garage. And it was dark out there, and I'm very predictable. I'm a very predictable man. 
Uh, like if I go to a restaurant, you usually know what I'm going to order because I rarely just what I'm going to order. This is what I eat here. And if I go to an ice cream shop, my kids know what I'm going to get. They just, you know, Bethley knows. I just, it's just what I'm going to do. And so I'm predictable. Come up the driveway, up the, up the carport, up the sidewalk, to the breezeway, turn right into the garage. And I always just read flip. I step in, flip the light on, water the dog feet. She slept in the garage. Water the dog, feed the garage. The dog's going to, you know, have devotions with the dog because I'm a spiritual man. And uh, I don't do that. And, uh, and I just do that every night, up the sidewalk, in the door, turn the light on. There's, so that night, that night, I was praying by myself. It's dark out there. It's late. It's quiet. Came up the sidewalk with my dog, and, and I stepped in that garage and turned the light on. And when I did, Batman was like six inches from my face. And, and my evangelist friend screeched at me like a pterodactyl. And uh, I, I levitated just, just beautifully. Levitated. About scared me to death. You know that word, don't you? That scared me to death. By the way, just for the record, I'm a, I, believe, I believe it's biblical to get even, don't you? <laughs> it's, I waited three years. I'm a very patient man. Gave him time to forget it, and then I got even. I scared him so badly, jumped over my RV. It was a beautiful thing. And, uh, and it was of the Lord. I felt very good about that and made me very happy. But here's where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this. Fear does have the idea of fear in the sense of phobia, of scared to death. But what the Bible really means when he says fear of the Lord is not so much scared. Don't focus on that. Yes, yes, take it seriously. You, you can't sin and get by with it. And that ought to scare you a little bit. You can't, you can't do wrong, get by with it. That ought to scare you a little bit. There's, there's no doubt about is that, is that. Is that okay for me to say? That ought to scare us a little bit. But really the whole point of fear of the Lord is to live your life with such an awe and a reverence of God that it affects the way you live. See, That's really what he means, fear of the Lord. Live in such an awe, such a reverence for God, such an awareness of God that it affects the way you live. That's a decision families ought to make. We're going to fear the Lord. You know, uh, I, I, um, I believe church ought to be a priority. Why? Because I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. I'm not opposed to sports. You've already picked up probably that I'm a Tennessee volunteer fan. And, and I, I love football. I, I, I don't mind basketball, but I really love football. And I, I like sports, I, but, but I want to tell you, because we fear the Lord, uh, sports is, is, is not an option when you have to choose between sports and church. Because we fear the Lord. We have such an awe and a reverence for God that He's first. And see how these begin to spill over into each other? I live my life in such a way that the Lord our God is one Lord. I fear the Lord. I say, okay, God, I want to live in such a way that everybody knows I honor you. I reverence you. I respect you. Now, don't, don't judge me on this because I feel like a liberal when I say it, but I now have a TV. So don't judge me on that. All right. Don't judge me. I'm, I'm, I'm a godly man, but I do own a TV now. And, and yet, and yet we, we watch very little. Why? Because we fear the Lord. And there's a ton of stuff I wouldn't watch. Why? Because I fear the Lord. And our kids know. Our kids have a rule that you can't turn the TV on unless mom and dad give you permission, unless we know what you're going to watch, unless we've approved of it. We never even watch a movie until we examine it. We always thank God for the internet. There's great things about the internet. Now we can examine it. What's in that movie? Is that even one we can watch? Is it clean? Is it godly? Is it right? Is there anything in there? Why? Because we fear the Lord. Because we're trying to keep God first. You see how these two spill over into each other? The Lord our God is one Lord. That's a theological statement. The Lord our God is one Lord. I want to fear the Lord and live my life in such a way that I have great reverence for God so that it will be well with me. That's what he says in verse 3. I live this way so that it will be well with me. And there's just something great about living with the blessings of God in your life. 
there's something great about living with the blessings of God in your home. And blessings are not always materialistic, though they can be. Like, I, I, you know, I don't have a Corvette, but if somebody said, uh, uh, Brother, I want to give you a Corvette, you know what I'd do? I'd take it. And I wouldn't even pray about it. I'd just take it. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. And I just would. But now that, so I'd say, boy, where'd you get that Corvette? Somebody gave it to me. Now, it'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? You'd say, wow, that's a blessing. A guy, somebody gave him a Corvette. Whoa, that's a blessing, isn't it? It only has two seats. I have a kid at home. Who cares? She can stay home. <laughs> and uh, Beth and I will go on a date. That, that'll be our date car. Now, would you agree that'd be a blessing? How many of you have a house to live in, do you? That's a blessing, isn't it? Is that right? But how many of y'all know this? You know this, don't you? And I'm almost done. Did you know that, that blessings are bigger than materialism? Did y'all know that? So it's not wrong to count your house as a blessing and thank God for it. And if you got a nice car and some money, thank God for it and, and, and revel in the blessings of God. Man, God is good to us. We have more food than we can eat. You know that's the truth. We have more clothes than we can wear. We give more away. We, we throw more away sometimes than we use. We're, there's no doubt we are blessing, but we're, we're blessed. But blessings and, and materialistically are not the greatest blessings. See, I'd love to have a Corvette, but I'll tell you what, I'd take over a Corvette any single day, over a Corvette any day. Over a Corvette, I'd take a good husband for my daughter. Isn't that a blessing bigger than a Corvette? Oh, that's a blessing bigger than a Corvette. The Corvette will pass away. In the words of a friend of mine, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn, is what he always said. It's all going to burn. He used to preach to teenagers or, or boys and girls that, and he had this illustration. He'd get that 90% rubbing alcohol, and while he's preaching, he'd take a $100 bill, and, and while he's preaching, he'd reach under the, the platform, and he'd dip that in that 100% rubbing alcohol, soak it, and then he'd pull it out, and he'd say, kids, it's all going to burn. He'd reach down and take a little lighter, and he'd light it, and that, that, that $100 bill would go up in flames. Of course, it was just the alcohol that went up in flames. He had a little, little illusion trick there, and he'd go up in flames, and Next thing you know, it disappeared, and the kids all thought that $100 bill burned up just like that. And he was so, that was his illustration. It's all going to burn someday. One day, teens got in there playing around, knocked over his alcohol, didn't know it was alcohol, and filled it up with water. Boy, he has wound up preaching up a storm. It's all going to burn, he said. It's all going to burn. Reached around and dipped that thing in water and pulled it out, and it wouldn't burn. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and he said, but if you give it all to Jesus, it'll last forever. So, yeah. <laughs> Jumped on real fast. He was smooth. I was impressed by that. That took some real thinking right there. But, but here's the whole point. It's all going to burn. That Corvette's going to burn. But here's the fact. I, this is a greater blessing when our Abigail met David. And we found out she's interested in a guy named David. And he's interested in her. And we don't know him. But he's from Claremont, Florida. And he's a professor at West Coast. And our daughter's a student. And we thought, what in the world? Our daughter's dating, interested in a professor. And, and we're thinking, what's going on here? And then we found out he's only two years older than she is. So okay, can we feel better about this? And then went out to meet him, got to know him, and fell in love with him. And, and, and then there came the day that I said, uh, who, who, they said, who gives, this, who gives this woman to this man? And I said, well, her mother and I very gladly do. I said, did you, did you cry at the wedding, your daughter? No, I didn't cry. I was thrilled. He gets to pay now. <laughs> he can cover the bills. Isn't that exciting? Praise the Lord. Now, I'm being silly, but why was I really excited? Not because he's going to pay the bills. Why I was excited was because now, now, she has the blessing of a good husband. See, this is what God's saying. You've got to determine to fear God and keep God first. Is God first in your family? Is he first in your finances? Is he first? Seek, the Bible says, uh, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The Bible says, love not the world, because all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 
That's not of the Father, that's of the world. The world passes away in the lust thereof, but when we do the will of God, it abides forever. That's the way to live, isn't it? You and I ought to continually examine our lives and our families. Lord, do we fear you? Can you tell that by our TV? Do we fear you, Lord? Can we tell that by the, 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 whether or not we're in church regularly? God, is it obvious? Is it obvious the things we talk about when we're in our house that we fear you? Is it obvious the way we, can I even go so far as say the way we dress and Amen. the music we listen to? Amen. I don't think we ought to be legalistic. I don't think we have to be weird about it. But all of us ought to determine to live our lives with a reverence for God that affects the way we live. And that's what he says, right? That's how you have a godly family. You got to start with a family development. Lord, I've got 18 years with these kids of mine and you got to help me because they're flying by. Somebody says, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this kid. He's got, he's in the, we're dealing with the terrible twos. Well, I don't even like that term because if your kid's going through the terrible twos, train them, train them. And now we got all kinds of other things. Well, now my kid has oppositional defiance disorder. Well, duh. Isn't your kid a sinner? Every kid has oppositional defiance disorder. That's not a mental health issue. That's a sin issue. Now, I don't mean that to be mean. If we're not careful, our culture says there's not a thing you can do about your child because they have enlisted. There's a ton of them. My God said, doesn't matter what your kid has. Doesn't matter whether your kid's perfect, which we know doesn't exist. Doesn't matter whether your kid has been diagnosed with this or that or this or that or that. What's our plan? Our plan is to take the next 18 years of their life and train them in such a way that when they are done with our training, they're prepared to live a successful adult life. Moms and dads, you got to develop that. You and I got to be busy developing that. And boy, aren't we busy? Aren't we distracted? You got a 10 year old, you got about eight more years. You got a nine year old, you got about 11 years. You got a 15 year old, you got about three years left. You got a 17 year old, you still got a year. At least, maybe, you know, in our culture, kids don't move out till they're 33, so <laughs> you might have a few more years. But I, although I'm being silly there, isn't it not true that moms and dads, if we're not careful, we float in our generation and make excuses for why our children aren't de being developed. We can't live that way. We have to develop our children. We have to pray over them and train them. And, and, and if our kids are diagnosed with something, all that means is that you've got to train maybe more so than otherwise. If somebody tells you that your child has, you know, oppositional defiance disorder, don't let that cripple you. Let that say to you, man, I got work to do. Because I got to work harder than other parents would. If somebody says your kid has ADHD, well, that's not a chance to tie your hands and say, well, I can't help them. There's nothing I can do about it. No, what it means is I got to train. I got to work harder. So my kid is autistic. Well, even that means my, I've got to work harder. It's going to be harder to train. And I'm going to have to learn how to train in a way that, that applies to what they deal with. And it's not that, that anybody's being mad about this or mean about this. It's that all of us ought to be training our children and doing our very, no matter what's going on in their life. We've got to help them to develop into healthy adults. And, and they, there may be some limitations along the way. We have a good friend whose son is severely autistic, severely. But they took 20 years and trained and trained and loved and trained and trained and loved. And that young man's an adult now. He'll never get married, I don't think. In fact, he probably will live with his mom and dad the rest of his life. But I will tell you this, he's a successful adult. He's actually his daddy's assistant pastor. 
they built an office for him beside his daddy. He comes in every day with a coat and tie on, works in the church. And, and he, he's a little different. There's no doubt he's a little different. Like he doesn't speak the way others do necessarily. And, and when he does speak, it can be awkward. Like he, he may just walk up to his mom and say, uh, why is this man talking to you? And oh, this is our guest evangelist, Dave Young. So, so yeah, there's some differences there. But you know what? He's trained. So I'm just saying to you, moms and dads, don't let anything keep you from developing your children. Go to work on them. Love them. Pray over them. Train and train. Why? Because we've got to develop them so our grandkids can be developed. So our great-grandkids. And uh, the clock's uh, saying we're done. And, and, and so since we're done, let's stop right there. All right? What's the two things we've learned so far in Deuteronomy? Here's what we've learned. We've got to develop the family, and we've got to have family decisions. And what's our decision? I'm going to fear God, and I'm going to keep God first. Now, you come back tonight. We're going to talk about family devotion. And it's going to be different. Some of you think just the Bible. There's more in it about the Bible than just the Bible. We're talking about family devotions, family discussions. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, so don't miss it at 6 o'clock. And join us, and let's continue studying Deuteronomy 6. Don't you love the Word of God? Aren't you glad you came to Sunday school? And we get to be together. Pray with somebody. Encourage somebody. Uh, greet somebody. Smile. Don't look down at your phone. Smile at somebody. Encourage them. Let's be a blessing to each other as we get this morning service started. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray that you'll fill us with your Spirit You'll bless the morning service. Oh, Lord, should there be a young man or young lady, adult, should there be anybody at all shows up in this service today who's not saved, oh, Lord, speak to them, draw them to yourself, and save them before the hour comes to an end. And, oh, Lord, for all of us who are saved, encourage us today, strengthen us today, help us not to leave discouraged by your word, but strengthened by it, blessed by it, directed by it, and help us all to have successful families. And Lord, even those whose adult children are disappointing, help us to even be mindful of that. Some son or daughter's not right with you. Some grandson or granddaughter. Oh, Lord, fill us with your love so that we can love them the way you would. And fill us with your discernment so we'll know how to interact and impact. Oh, Lord, give us grace today for each other love and compassion and gentleness towards each other. Thank you for our families. We all need help, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Help us. Give us wisdom. And I pray all of these things, O oh Lord, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.